after I did the routine, I took my trophy, and as I walked off, the producer says, "Oh, uh, Teller wants to talk to you. Hold on, don't go anywhere." I'm like, "Oh." So Teller, the smaller one that doesn't talk, so he comes over and he says, "Tony, that was, the, was one of the most beautiful pieces I've ever seen. Thank you so much." So, oh my God, it's an honor. It meant so much to me. Was all oh, I could tell. I can really tell. Give me a hug, and that was it. That was mm-hmm. cool. He, he ran over to me. That was so cool that he ran over. On episode 40, I bring in Tony Clark, a professional magician who finally got onto the show Penn and Teller, fool us. And guess what? He fooled them. Tony Clark mentioned that only 12 to 15% of the magicians that go on the show fool Penn and Teller. He is one of them. It was incredible and actually very emotional. You'll find out why on this episode. He also is coming out with a handbook uh, on how to manage your anxiety. That should be coming out sometime this coming summer. This was an Instagram live interview, so so he entertained us with a lot of magic. I think he did about five or six tricks. So that was edited out of this episode, this audio version. But if you want to watch the show and get entertained, go on my Instagram page, Pod, and watch the show. He's so good. His hands are so quick. I can't keep up with anything. So I hope you enjoy that. Here we go. How you doing, man? I'm good. Last night, you kind of had me tearing up. Not going to lie. You see it? You see it? I can't believe it, man. You know how difficult that is to do? Well, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's so weird that I've been doing that, 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 that piece for such a long time. Over 30 years, probably, that one piece. But it's evolved, obviously, through the years. But Is that a piece that others do, too? No, it's, it's my piece. That's specifically my piece, that one that you saw. Yeah. Wow. How yeah. long? So you've been doing that for 30 years, that? that? Well, at least I learned the original routine from Slidini. Actually, they showed a quick clip of him doing it in the opening video, which is kind of cool. And they showed that. Um, I, so I learned it over 30, probably 34 years ago from him. I did it like he taught me. Then I, I, I started working on a, a ring routine with it. I always wanted to try something with it. And I worked on it forever and finally got it together like 15 years ago. I started, or, or actually, no, I did it in my Tahoe show. It was like 20 years ago, actually, I started doing it with the rings. So, so it evolved <laughs> over that time. Yeah. In the last four years, it got even better because I uh, was trying to get on that show for four years, you know. So I submitted myself. Why did it take four years? Well, who knows it, right? Television, you know. It's um, I submitted the first original routine, which had the rings in it, obviously, and nothing didn't, didn't go for it. So the second year, I felt like, well, unless I change it, I want to send back another same routine. So I didn't, I didn't, I skipped one year. The third year, I sent it again. Nope, and it was a little bit slightly different. So the last time. My friends Danny and Stacy Cole, they helped me with ideas, little tweaks and stuff on it. So I started creating all this other stuff and it came together. So it's like I feel solid with it and that's it. And I so I, I shot it at the Magic Castle, videotaped it, and then I submitted it and then they took it finally. But I'm glad it happened that way because it, it wouldn't have been as good if I did it the, the first way, you know. You probably so wouldn't nice. you probably wouldn't have fooled them. Maybe not, yeah, because the things I added were the little twists. I think that threw them off a little bit. Yeah, a couple, wow. couple little twists, yeah. Wow. So yeah. what was the original couple 
auditions. Well, did you do you send in audition tapes? Is that what happens? And then you yeah, just didn't you, get anything yeah. back from them. Nothing came back. You um, you hear back, and they say, uh, "When no, first year they never. You don't hear anything. If you don't hear anything, that means you know." They, they put a notice out. They say, if you don't get a response by this date, then you're out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an easy way for them to, to call you to tell you that you didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it's never a good call to make to anybody. So, yeah. So you submit it you, online. Now you just do everything online, which is great. You know, so you, you put it in and uh, you, you see what happens. But you got denied twice, right? Twice. Yeah. And how nervous yeah. were you when you were going to actually do this thing? Well, after I got the call or the email that I got accepted and talked to the producers about it, then I went into like rehearsal mode, zone mode, boom, 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 like this, right? So what I normally do when I work on a new piece, I put it in my bedroom, a table or whatever I'm working on because I can see it as I get up. I panel it when I go back. I'm always around, you know, boom, boom, it becomes part of my body. So I put my little table that you saw in my room and I put it in the corner and I pull it out. So I rehearsed for three and a half months probably th- over 300 times plus that's the full routines plus doing just the separate little pieces you know the routines with it and then uh i did it i said like i, I actually did it yeah well over 300 times i could tell because i had the napkins i could count the napkins i went through <laughs> so i was oh. able to calculate my uh time so uh it was well over uh 300 times i rehearsed it yeah but it was perfect because i was so focused that there was some elements and issues that happened at the show. Like I was supposed to shoot on a Wednesday and they pushed me back to Thursday because the show was running late one night. So I was sitting downstairs in the basement of the theater for hours and they finally said, oh, Tony, we're so sorry. We're running late. We have to bring you in tomorrow. I said, okay. But then I had to shoot the opening video footage Thursday. I'm like, oh my God. So I had to do both. So I had to get up at uh, six in the morning. I started shooting about eight, got done at about 3.30, 4. And then I went upstairs, and then I, I thank God my friend uh, Alan was there for the money help me. Um, and I took a shower, came back downstairs, and then was ready to go. You know, had to be ready to do the show. <laughs> so it was a long day. You know, yeah. It was a long day. That's so why was uh, it was emotional because I was like physically exhausted, but I was on the money because I was so rehearsed. I even rehearsed with my eyes closed. You know, I got to the point I could do my act. Everything I did, my eyes were closed, and I just rehearsed it. Wow. And the dialogue, everything, and uh, and I'm happy about that because right before I was going to go on stage, I hear commotion. I'm looking through the crack in the wall in the backstage. I can see Penn and Teller, you know, going to their seats, and I see the director getting into place, and I see Allison going into her corner over there. All of a sudden, I hear security down, security down at the theater, security, and uh, uh, we need the medic, medic, medic. I'm like, oh Jesus, what the hell's going on? So the the wall goes up, <laughs> back door goes up in the back theater. I look and there's a guy having a seizure in the oh, front section of the theater. Man. This was right like, like imagine, this was like a minute before I went out or less. If it happened during my act, it would have destroyed oh. my act. Yeah. So wow. thank God the guy was fine. They fixed him up. They got him out. He was, he was okay. Uh, but then 40, 45 minutes later, now I'm going to, but I stayed focused the whole time. So when I did the show, I felt like when I started, I felt so relaxed because I was waiting for it for so long. And I rehearsed so long, so many times, I felt very confident with the material. And I was like, ah, let's do this. You know, it worked out well. So obviously, you know, fooled them and thank God. Because you only have one shot, you know. It's a live show. You do, you mess up, that's it, baby. 
there's no cut and let's reshoot that. No, there's one take. That's I love it. it. I love it. So yeah. when uh, I, obviously this was prior to COVID because there were people in the audience. Uh, when when did this take place? This or? happened the 12th of March on the 13th of March. As I'm leaving Vegas, things were shutting down. The shutdown began the day I'm leaving. As I'm driving oh out of Vegas, the doors gosh. were closing behind me like this. No way. I made it by the skin of my teeth. And our audiences started getting a little smaller through the week, too, because it started getting, you know, oh, my God, you know, oh, it's getting worse, blah, 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 stay home. And so the audiences were shrinking slightly every show. But thankfully, you know, it's Vegas, so people show up. Um, we had a you know, decent crowd. When did you but learn? Yeah, when did you learn that you were going to be on the show, like around November? Yeah, last year. Yeah, November, about this time. Okay. So then that's why you had the three, three and a half months of prep. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, I worked everything from props, my little tree. You know, so much involved, people won't see it, but that's everything. Just the handling and the feeling and the tabletop was, I didn't like it. I redid that. You know, I put, covered that again. And I just wanted to make sure everything felt right, you know, yeah. touching this up, touching that up. And, For those who missed it, is there anywhere that they, they can see the, uh, the, in, the entirety of it? Yeah, YouTube. On YouTube, just put Penn and Teller Fooled by Tony Clark. It'll come up. Okay. Yeah, it's the full thing there. I put it up uh, last night, and uh, it's got almost two thousand views so far. So it's doing pretty good. Good. I've, I've yeah, Penn Teller show is good. I've seen the show a couple times, and I can't remember anybody who fooled them. How often do they fool these guys? I think they said I saw an interview once. I think the percentage is like twelve or fifteen percent of the guys fool them. So maybe one out of every te- twelve guys. Fools of 15 guys, yeah. Yeah. It's hard because they have so much knowledge. That's the cool thing about what I did. They know Slidini from New York because they're from New York too. And Slidini was famous anyway all over the world. But they kind of knew, they thought they knew I was doing that trick. But mm. there's a lot of other stuff going on that they, that they would never know. That's why I was kind of cool that I was able to say, you know, mention Slidini because I wanted to. I wanted to, you know, make a dedication to him. And that was really the main reason. I really didn't mind if I didn't fool him. My goal was just to do a, a nice dedication to my teacher and bring you know keep his name alive and magic and uh, let the younger guys know who the masters are. You know, for those who don't know Tony well, he's a professional magician. He's uh, he's performed for the stars. You've helped stars out right in in magic tricks and movies. But you go back mm-hmm. to I think our episode was episode eleven. It was early on. And Tony has a really good story because it starts out where you were in the East Coast with the family and you were a bodybuilder and you got addicted to steroids. And uh, you met Slidini, who was this famous magician who said to you that, look, you've got a chance to make it here. You're going to perform at the Magic Castle one day, but you got to get off these drugs and you got to get slimmer, man. You're too big to be a magician. And from that day, that guy, Slidini, changed your life. Yeah. It was a big here's a cool here's an interesting thing. Mike, um, I worked with him, I got involved with him because I met him at a convention in New York City, uh, Cat Skills, where the big convention used to be every year. And when I met him, I knew I, I felt guilty being out of magic for a while because I felt like, oh my God, I'm you know giving up my career that I've worked on so hard and I was so big, I was huge, two and a quarter, you know, I couldn't fit in my stuff. So I said, Maybe I'll just take lessons and maybe I'll get back into it a little bit, not knowing what was gonna happen. Because Slidini was like a guru, he was very quiet very soft-spoken, didn't say much, you know, and, and he was very focused. And when he saw me, he didn't, he didn't know what I was doing. He didn't know that I was on the juice. He wouldn't even understand mm-hmm. it, I don't think. But he said sincerely, like, you know, he said the, the words were, you, you're a very good student. You're one of my best. Someday you work at the Magic Castle. Whoa. I was like, wow. It's like the guru making a prediction, right? <laughs> I'm like, 
and this guy said it to me. This is, and I know he doesn't say much. So when he talks, his words are very valuable, right? So it's economics, right? He doesn't speak that much, but when he says something, he doesn't bullshit people. And he said that to me, and I'm like, wow, okay. And then he says, and then he followed up with, but you have a nice face, but you're too big. That's all he said. Mm. So he gave me the confidence, which he didn't do it to give me confidence. He was sincere. But then he says, but, you know, you have to be yeah, kind of big. You, you, you don't know, play the nice, act. You don't play the act of yeah. the magician. Yeah. You have a nice face, but too big. I'm like, wow. And that was it. And then I said, this guy believes in me. And I had a whole round of steroids to take for upcoming contests. I'm like, how am I going to do that? Next time I see him, I might be even bigger. You know, he's going to mm. like, look at me like, what are you doing? Right. And it's respecting him. So out of respect, really, for him, I went home and almost embarrassed to myself. I threw everything away crashed the bottle, broke them, put them in paper bags and wrapped them with tape and threw them in the trash and threw everything out. Never went back to my power team or lifting team again and that was it. Incredible. Well, you, you dedicated the Penn and Teller uh, trick when you were on the yep. show to Slidini. Yes. And now that was one of his tricks, I guess, huh? Is it, it was a variation he... of it, yeah. yeah. The, the, the core of that trick was his and then I evolved over the years. Didn't never used rings before. Just it used to be four pieces of paper, but it was very repetitive. But back in the old days, you could watch it, you know, different TV audience. So I cut it to three napkin paper napkins, and then I put rings in there to give it a because I wanted to have a, a personal touch to it. Like now you care before you didn't care about these uh, paper balls, you know. But now if your ring is in there, you're gonna be watching this a little closer, mm. <laughs> and uh, that's that's what it turned out being using the rings from the audience yeah yeah we got a yeah. guy from italy who uh, was touched by uh, what you did yesterday too super cool oh yeah italians we connect man <laughs> uh, <laughs> i have a there's a lot of magicians in italy and uh you know great great uh i had a lecture with the magicians in italy about i don't know two months ago or less uh, we did a lecture about 30 magicians it was kind of cool nice. on zoom like how would I ever have done this before, right? I know. I'm over these guys are Naples and Rome. They're all over Italy. And I'm, I'm here in my living room, and here I am. I'm doing a lecture for these guys. That's super cool. Fun, super cool. Know? Where's the trophy? Uh, is is it uh, arms arms distance away? Yeah, you see. Yeah. We there is the trophy. Look at you, man. <laughs> I, the hardest awesome. thing is I, I was holding on to this thing for eight months before I, I couldn't show anybody talk about it. I didn't tell anybody, you know. Zero, like not a not a soul. Yeah. Well. I told two people, mm -hmm. one of which you know because he went to the shoot the videotaping. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. my brother. brother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and John, you know, John knows everything. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, a friend of mine that actually helped me with the routine, uh, I told him about it because I wanted to share that with him. You know, but he was confidential; he didn't tell anybody anyway. But, and your wife yeah. and, and your and your son, of course. Yeah, they knew. Yeah. Did they have you sign anything letting you know that you can't tell anybody? Or yeah, it's in the contract. It's mm. in the original contract. Yeah. Did Penn and Teller talk to you after the show and, and tell you how impressed they were? Well, it's, since it's considered a game show, they're not allowed to talk to you before. Uh -huh. They don't even know who you are before the show, right? They're all synonymous to them. After I did the routine, I took my trophy, and as I walked off, and I'm walking backstage, and they get you out of there fast because they're trying to get the axe. You're not supposed to see anybody's act either. So you're, like, you're going in, the other guy's going out. It's like this. Mm. So as I'm walking backstage, getting off, taking my microphone off, the producer says, oh, uh, Teller wants to talk to you. Hold on, don't go anywhere. I'm like, oh. So Teller, the smaller one that doesn't talk. I was going to say, over, he, he talks. That's awesome. That's breaking yeah. news in itself right yeah. there. Yeah, he talks. Yeah, he's actually a super intelligent guy. Yeah. It's like an encyclopedia of magic. You know? And he's a great guy. 
So he comes over and he says, Tony, that was, the, was one of the most beautiful pieces I've ever seen. Thank you so much. I said, oh, my God, I'm on, it's an honor. It meant so much to me. He goes, oh, I could tell. I could really tell. Give me a hug. And that was it. And that was mm. cool. He, he ran over to me. That was so cool that he ran over. That is super uh, cool, man. Yeah, man. That so. is super, super cool. David's got a good question. Yeah. What's the most important thing Slidini has taught you? Oh, the most important thing is uh, misdirection and timing. Timing and misdirection. It's the most powerful tool. It's an invisible tool for magic, right? You don't see it. You're not supposed to see it. So misdirection and timing was a major tool in the what the, the act that I did for Penn and Teller. And all of Slidini's magic has all timing and misdirection in it. Very powerful. It's about being able to divert the eyes, controlling their attention, let them look where you want them to look. I'll give yeah. you an example. I'll give you an example. Look. Now, this is cool. Check this out. This is a purse I bought in New York when I went to go study with Slidini. I got this to the magic shop. It's falling apart. It's eel skin. Inside, he was known for these trick called the coins to the table. Okay, six silver dollars. Now, when I brought, when I went to his house, I remember I went to the bank and got some beautiful silver dollars, and they were very shiny. He didn't like them; he thought they looked too magicy and too gimmicky. So he goes, "Ah, I'll, I'll take those. I'll give you these." And look what he gave me: he gave me nineteen twenty-two pure silver dollars for an exchange of my crappy little silver dollars. So. Hmm. So I've had these ever since, obviously, man. I always protected these. Let's, you know, I've had these for 34 years now. Wow. Very cool. But what he used to do, he would have like, he'd have coins. He had three and three. Okay, you can see three and three in each hand, right? Three coins in each hand. And he would say to you, you think it's possible for the coins to jump from this hand to this hand without hearing them or touching them? Watch. Watch this. One, two. Did you see him go? No. Look. Oh, my gosh. So you're going here, and now they're here. <laughs> wow. That's timing and misdirection. When That's one of like strongest pieces that you could do with that principle. When do you think you perfected that, the hands? Well, this actually was the first trick I learned with him I when I started studying with him. He, and he taught very interestingly, which I can't really teach this way anymore. He would teach you one step at a time, like literally like – one move like he would do the coin thing he would teach you the vanish and then even though there's a whole bunch of other stuff behind it until you learn that first thing you would never learn the next thing so mm. the coins took me about two and a half months to learn one coin routine not just that trick that was part of a whole routine but the entire routine was like over two months to learn one routine yeah did you stay in contact with him until his death uh i did for a while when i was in la i would touch space with him and then he got ill uh, he passed away like a year or so after I left and came to LA. You know, he had diabetes and he could have lived longer. He just didn't like taking the medication or the shots, but he could have, he lived till he's 90 years old. God bless yeah. him. 90 years old, man. Good life. And he smoked and he smoked camel, no, lucky strike cigarettes. <laughs> so I guess if you're going to smoke, smoke the lucky strikes, huh? <laughs> I don't know. Huh. He not only smoked them, he taught magic with them. Back in the day, cigarette magic was popular. So, you know, you've got them in your mouth while you're teaching, right? So I'm learning cigarette magic with them here and there. So he smokes them. He teaches with them all day long. No filters. The harshest, nastiest cigarette you could ever imagine, right? And he lived till 90. And he could, he could have probably lived at least to 95 if he took mm -hmm. his medication. Because he was very, you know, he was a very slight guy, very small like I said, like, like a little guru, man. Small guy, maybe barely five feet tall. Was he still doing Very magic quiet. until he passed? Yeah, he worked in New York. The Mostly Magic It was a nightclub back then, close-up magic nightclub. And he worked till probably 88, 
yeah, I went out to see him and, you know, to watch him and do a club with lay people. Oh, man, he'd fry people's brains. It was so cool. It was so cool. You sent me a, a doc on your handbook that you've put together, that you've created, and it's got to do with anxiety and how to manage, yeah. how to manage it. Talk yeah. to us about that a little bit. Hey, it's Mike. If you're enjoying this conversation with Tony Clark, please give it a five-star rating, give a nice review, and tell a friend or two. Let's get back to my conversation with Tony. Yeah, it's something I've been working on for a while, you know, and uh, I read once, you want to learn something, write a book about it, right? Mm -hmm. So what does that do? What does that mean? Well, that means, well, if you have to write a book, you have to research about it and get all the best information you can. Well, then and through that process, you learn. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for me, I thought I've been dealing with anxiety most of my life. Um, and, you know, as a kid, you don't know what it is. As an adult, you don't really talk about it. And you're Italian. You know, Italians don't talk about anything like that. It's like a weakness to them. You right. know, if you say you have anxiety or something, oh, wait, what are you, you know, they think you're full of baloney. You don't know what you're talking about. Right. But, but in the business, too, it's in this crazy business. So I, I, I realized that over the years, I'm like, wow. So I started researching different things over the years to work on myself. Um, you know, I went through medications years and years ago and you know, in and out of them and, you know, I never liked the way I felt. So I researched a lot of different alternatives and I thought, oh, okay, this is cool. I started compiling all these ideas that I put together in this manuscript. And then I started talking to people and especially now, most of the people I talk to are dealing with some heavy duty stuff, you know, right now, you know, and, uh, all, all levels of it. So I would say out of, I would say 80 to 90% of the people I talk to or have a little something going on. And we all have anxiety. It's a built-in mechanism in your body, right? Well, we all have it to survive. There's different the levels is, of it. Yeah. 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 The problem is we don't need to, we don't need it really mm -hmm. because how often is a, you know, is a lion or a tiger coming at us or, you know, <laughs> you know, we don't have to really resort to escape, you know, self-defense, thankfully, you know, in this country at least. But, we use it, unfortunately, for the wrong reasons, mm -hmm. and it comes up for the wrong reasons. So I came up with this thing called the SOS, the uh, Situation Organizing System, where I explain that we live two different lives. We live in a natural life, natural world, and we live in a synthetic life. What is that? Well, synthetic is everything that we've created, mechanisms to everything, you name it. Natural life is everything we have nothing to do with <laughs> that's perfect, mm -hmm. like the atmosphere, the earth, uh, mm -hmm. the stars, the, the, the oxygen, the plants. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's like, you know, I heard a, uh, someone speaking once, this Native American said that, um, imagine if the earth, we lost this, the, the, all, the, all the dirt, we would, you know, we couldn't live because we couldn't grow food. If we lost the bees, we lost the plants, we, you know, if the water dried up, we'd all pass. We'd all be perished. But what, what happened if there was no more people on the earth? The earth would blossom. So, so that's it's true. So that's the natural world. Hmm. So I teach, I, I work on in the book, talk about separating them out. So if something happens, put it into the right basket, right? So you don't use extra energy. Like say something like, oh, I got into my, uh, my, I go out to my car for work and my tire's flat. Hmm. Well, is that natural basket life or synthetic? Well, it's synthetic. Okay, that doesn't mean it's an, ex it's an emergency. I don't need to get myself ramped up to save that tire. I just put it here, which means I'm not going to forget about it, but I'll get to it in due time and, and think about it first and do the right choices. Don't get upset about it. If it's something that's life-threatening or something that's really serious, then your body will know. You don't have to tell it. 
you know, it's a natural life event, you will know what to do. Like if there's a fire burning, you're going to pack them and you're, you're going to leave. You know, your body will know. In the book, I explain about a, uh, uh, an event I had when I almost got killed in a, in, a, in a giant truck towing my car coming from Tahoe. Years ago, I moved and I made the bad decision of wanting to leave at night. So here I am driving from Tahoe to L.A. to my new place I just bought, a uh, condo, with a 24-foot truck pulling my car full of stuff, packed. I'm talking packed, heavy. By your, you're by yourself. By myself, middle of the night. My birds, my little case with my doves are sitting in my, my, my the cab inside the cab with me. So I'm driving, driving, driving. Long story short, I get to a hill right before Bishop. We're on the Sierra Mountains now. And all these check these brake signs. So I'm like checking the brake. I'm going, I'm going, and I'm starting to trying to slow down. And it's not slowing down. Mm. I keep pumping the brakes, and it's not. It's barely slowing down. Mm. I look out the window, and I look like see it looks like a firefly came by the window. I was like, oh, what's that little fly? And I keep looking. I keep pumping the brakes. All of a sudden, I see sparks shooting out. <laughs> and I'm driving down this thing. All this stuff behind me. No cars around. Pitch black. Barely could see the road. Um, look this. Now my brain goes. Okay, I have to jump out of the car. Whew. I have to jump out. What am I going to do? With, you know, my brain. And, and it's what's, what's, in, brain what's, in, what's in front of you, Tony? Are there just cars? Just like- road, road, and it, I can't see if it's going to turn or not. It's really dark. There's no lights down in those roads, you know, the highways and the hills. So I don't know. You know, I don't know. I mean, how fast can I turn? I said, well, how fast can I turn with this thing? I might have to bail on this thing, right? Going down this hill, and I'm going 55 miles an hour now. I'm pumping the brakes. All of a sudden, uh oh, I look. I see flames. Now the, the brakes are on fire. Wow. I'm going. All of a sudden, my brain clicks and goes, no no stories. Oh, okay. Looks like I have to jump out to save myself. And I thought, oh, I could use my bird carrier. It's hard plastic. I could tuck them because I want to save them too. I'll use that and, and brace myself and slide on that so I won't burn my skin off. You know, and I'm thinking about all this, but very logically and no panic and uh, – no stories about it. Mm. It's very straightforward, right? So the, uh, here's the whole point of the whole story. So I'm about to, I'm looking, I'm looking, my brain says, I'm going to scan one more time. If anything I missed, I look and I see this little tab underneath the, the, the steering wheel. I look underneath it and it's an emergency brake p- pull. I go, oh, okay. So I put the purge down, but the door's open already at this point. So I said, if this doesn't work, then I got to go because the road's going to turn. I can't tell what's going to happen to the end of the road here. I pull the brake. <sighs> Air brakes. The thing comes to slowing down. I grab the birds. As it stops, I jump out and I come out of the car with the birds and I go over there. And by grace of God, cops saw it from a distance and they said they're never in that area that hour. It was like early in the morning, two o'clock. So long story short is the point is when you have to use that anxiety in the right way, it's there for you. Mm. And that's what that was. That was using my inner energy without the stories to survive. Unfortunately, we use that when we get upset about, you know, the wrong thing came to your table or the wrong food or this broke or I scratched my car. They took this from me or lost this. And, you know, that's when you're using it improperly. And we do that all the time. Yeah. (laughs) So I write in the book things that break your patterns because people like read books like Eckhart Tolle and stuff. They don't get it because it's a little deep for them. It's like, oh, don't think and uh, eliminate your mind and relax. But how do you relax? Well, for me, I had to break the pattern. So there's a bunch of tools in there that help break the pattern. If you're going down the wrong road, it helps break the pattern of getting out of that mindset. And like, like Wim Hof with the, the cold showers and the ice, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's breaking your pattern of thinking and it gets you out of that and you get to a new pattern. 
for anxiety purposes, it's not the end all result and cure all, but it gives you that break in between to not go all the way off the road. It keeps you on the road enough to stay in the game and then get to the next level, which I'm working on as well, trying to get to the next level of that. And that's, that's what the book is about. It's just giving you these little tools, really useful to use and get you through those hurdles. That's so, really what it is. So let's, let's say there's a uh, synthetic um, rule here, like you mentioned, and you want to use a tool. Can you give us a couple tools that, that's, that we'd be able to use? Okay, so one of the things that I teach in the book is uh, the physiology, the, the physical part of your, your body, the, what you do affects what, how you feel, right? Mm-hmm. And if you imagine like a person that feels drained or, or depleted or depressed, shoulders are down, heads down, breathing shallow. But if people are confident, what's the difference? Chest out, chin up, head out, breathing <laughs> big breath. So those physiology. So one thing that I teach that I've been doing for a long time that I learned from uh, Tony Robbins and I use it for when I was lifting weights and I, and I use it for my shows is I get into a zone and I do it's – it's just called a power move. And I get my hands and I stay here and I clap my hands really fast. Take a deep breath. Let it out and do it again. And it affects your body because your body has to be involved. And it, it, if you're really focused on what you're doing, it just breaks that pattern and breathing. There's a lot of breathing techniques that I use in there. There's one thing that I call smile yoga, which uh, teaches you how to get your smile in shape because your body knows that you're smiling and it reacts and it creates the uh, positive energy flow in the body. So it's a thing in there called the smile yoga. So that's in there too. And nice. that's, you know, like 10 minute thing that you do. And I do that every morning and you do a lot in your face you start feeling your muscles in your face getting tighter. So it's good for your face too. It's yeah. Like a natural facelift. Yeah. <laughs> but these are all these kind of things that I, I use. And the key too is I mentioned it, that it's not just one thing because Everybody has a different way to learn, right? Something might connect with you or not connect with this person. So there's different styles of things in there. And then some are a little deeper, some are a little more fun like this. But And there's affirmations in there and there's poems that I've written that are in there that are sp- inspirational, spiritual type poems in there. So it's a mixture. I always say it's like going to a, a restaurant that has this big menu, like Cantor's, and you go, oh my God, you, you know, there's so much to choose from. Mm-hmm. You got to find something. There's got to be something. So this is the same idea. Find something that works or try different things. And that keeps you engaged because if you don't engage the person, they're not going to read on or, or try anything, you know. And, and and I'm smart enough to know that I've changed over the years. I've ch- I've changed different things myself. We all do, right? As you get older, so that's in there as well. A variety of stuff. It's very similar to the way I used to produce shows. And when I produced a lot of shows, I always made a variety of stuff happen. Tempos, this, that, other thing, colors, you know. Yeah. Keep the keep the person engaged. That's the key because. You know, it's like I think the statistics say ten percent of the people that start a book finish reading it from cover to cover. Only ten percent. So I'm trying to make it fun and concise, and I and I, I also make fun of myself. I say I, I made it very simple language in there, not only to help you, but also because that's as best I can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so nice. so it just it's just not hard to understand. Like right now, I'm reading a book called The Biography of a Yogi. It's very intense language. I'm like, wow. Mm. I have to have a dictionary next to me because you know. So I don't. I want. I don't want to do that. It'll know, lose but, me. Yeah, that will yes. lose me. I need easy hey. reading. Yeah, I need yeah. easy reading. When is it so going to get? Pu- when is it going to get published? Well, that's a good question. I would say hopefully by before the summer of next year. Cool. 
That's the, that's the goal. I'm yeah. reading. I'm reading a book right now that I think you would really enjoy. It's called Obstacle Is the Way, and the title got me. A friend told me about it. My last guest actually, and and the title itself got me because it's it's that right right like we're in life we have obstacles and it's the way so how do we figure out like how to get through the obstacle and it's about stories about famous people about how they've gotten through certain obstacles it's really mm. it's really good wow that's good that's i think you can't ever have enough of that because we're so bombarded by all this other information the, through the news or now with social media and every other source radio tv whatever we're bombarded with all this information that's really useless and negative to most of the time. And it is not helpful at all. It's all synthetic, you know, and not all synthetic stuff is bad. It's like we use it, but when it overtakes that yeah. and it becomes the, the, the majority of your life, then you're, that's the problem. I'll, I'll tell you what, when I get stuck in watching media and the news, I I'm a different yeah. person rather than when I'm away from it. When I don't know what's happening in the world, I'm, I feel so much better about myself and what's around me. And it then it affects you. It does. Yeah. And then I turn on the news and I, I get in, you know, I watch three minutes of politics and I was like, man, why did I do this? Now I'm stuck. Now I'm like two hours yeah. in and I don't want to, I don't want to get involved <laughs> in this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there, well, yeah. It does suck you in. When did you start uh, doing magic? I started when I was really young. I started when I was six, six years old. Yeah. Six oh. years old. I did my first paid show when I was nine. Wow. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. I'm going to lower this. Was it like at a kid's party or what? Yeah, it was a birthday party. <laughs> the woman talked me down from $10 to $9. No way. Can you believe it? Oh, my God. a mother, God. my neighbor's mom, you know. She goes, yeah, could you do it for nine? <laughs> I said, all right. So she, she, at the end, she pays me almost like I had to wait around like, uh, you're paying me, you know. So she gave me $5 in singles and $4 in quarters so I'm counting it at home. I'm like, oh, maybe she gave me a tip. Nope, not even a quarter tip. <laughs> the tip was stay in school. <laughs> the tip is never charge somebody nine dollars. I never charge anybody nine dollars again in my life. Oh Jeez. man. So have yes. I gotten you into the cold showers yet, or no? Yeah, I'm doing some. Not all the time. Uh, sometimes I feel like because I had my hip replaced, you know, mm -hmm. uh, three months ago. Mm -hmm. I had my right hip replaced. So sometimes I feel like, especially when it's been cold lately, I start. I felt a little bit. I felt, oh, I know why people move to Florida now. Yeah, <laughs> when they get older. Uh, but uh, it's only three months. It's been only three months, so it's still kind of fresh, you know. Yeah. But uh, the cold showers do work. They do work. They're the best. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever have hair like you, though. I don't know if that's you know. I think it's just genetics, man. Hair. Hair's too nice. Where on my yeah, on my on top of my head or my, on my body and my back? I was born with hair, man, all over the place. Yes, I was growing yeah. with a full You're on five o'clock shadow. Yeah, you're blessed. Yeah, you're blessed. People, people would kill for that. Man. Yeah. You know? I think yeah. you're doing pretty good in the hair department, man. You yeah, nice okay. I like it. I yeah. cut it short. I like it short now. Yeah. You know, we've got a few more minutes. I think we've got uh, I don't know about eight or nine minutes. Do you have anything else? Do you want to end some stuff for us? And I've got one last question for you. Oh, okay. Well, you want me to do something, or you want me to just talk about something? No, I like for you to do a couple more tricks if you can. Really? Wow. People are entertained. All right, let me see if I can pull one out. I'm going to send Hold you on. $9 dollars in the mail. Ah, that's <laughs> that's that'll be a funny gag, man. Uh, all right, here we go. Ready? You know, I, I like adding humor to stuff. You know, of course, I like people, people laughing, especially well, these days, man. We need it. <laughs> I'll tell you, this is one of the reasons why I wanted you on to do this too, because we all need to laugh and smile and and have some good times. Because the world is kind of in um, uh, upside down effect right now, and yeah, it's a weird funk. It's a weird funk. 
Yeah. Weird. It's really weird yeah. times. Your handbook yeah. can't come soon enough. I'm telling you. So well, it's good true. time for it. Yeah, I think I think it's it's a major issue now with a lot of people. So if I could help either one person, mm-hmm. I'd be thrilled. It'd be just, it'd be nice. As you know, as you get older, you know, when you're young, you're always trying to get stuff for yourself, which is great. You know, it's great. This is part of life. As you get older, it's kind of like feel like you want to give back to somebody and, mm-hmm. and help others. And you know, I mean, you feel like ah, I got enough. I did what I had to do, but I now would be fun to help somebody else. You know, and, you know and, the and difference just, is there, Tony. Is you're so right because you feel like you've you've had experience in life or in your field or whatever industry it is, and yeah. you wish you had somebody that was doing that for you when you were 16, 17, 18, 19, right. or whatever it is, and, and you're ahead right. of them, so you've experienced so much more than them, and if you, it's somebody you care about, it's easy for yeah. you to just sit them down and be like, no, no, you're, you're doing it okay, but it should be done like this because it could be done right. a lot easier and better this way. That's right? right. That's true. That's true, yeah. Yeah, and it's nice. It's just... When you don't think of yourself all the time, it's a much, much, much better world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I believe that in life we need to do things and when we're doing them, it needs to be done with purpose and we can't just do them. So my question to you is uh, we need a pursuit in life and it needs to be done with purpose. What is your pursuit in life? It's interesting. It's changed, obviously. You know, like we just said, uh, my pursuit in life now is first to make myself whole and strong enough to help others. That's my goal right now. And if I can do that, then it's a win-win all the way around. Yeah, and it's so important, man, what you said. And, you know, like you mentioned when you were uh, earlier in life, as I was, it wasn't about just me. It was about helping somebody else out prior to helping myself out first. But now I recognize that what you said is so true because taking care of yourself first is the yeah. most important thing because if you're not able to do that, you can't help others out. And that's not being selfish at all. Like you have to take care of yourself because you won't be in the right mindset. You won't be healthy. You won't, uh, you won't feel good about yourself. And if you don't have those things, you can't help others out. No, yeah, and it's it's the energy level too that people sense that too. You can say what you want, you know. Having kids, you learn that you can say what you want, but they know what you're really doing. <laughs> so unless you're living it for real, you're not going to help other people. Tony is just a deep down good good guy. He's a pro's pro. I always enjoy talking to him. I look forward to the next conversation I'm able to have with him. It's most likely going to be about that handbook, and uh, it's a great idea. I mean, things are, you know, wild things are going on in in this uh, world that we're living in right now, especially this year. So it's very cool of him to come out with something like that. And that's purely out of his heart and something he really wants to truly do because you you heard what he said. It's He's not going to be making money out of this thing. He's just going to charge people just to kind of carry the cost. So that's super, super, super cool. Again, that was an Instagram live. We cut out a bunch of it, maybe 20 to 25 minutes, because those were the areas where he was doing tricks for us. So if you want to watch the show, uh, go to my Instagram page, Pod, and then hit the TV button in the middle, and then all of the Instagram live videos are there, and especially that one. So uh, if you can, if you want, you can go to my website as well. Uh, that's at MikeDuckPod.com, and then hit shop buy a t-shirt buy some socks buy a a coffee cup a hat a hoodie and then as your coupon code hit thank you type in thank you no spaces thank you you get 10% off thanks so much for making me a part of your day folks
I am Mike Gabriel. This was Mike Up Pod. Until next time, folks, no wasted days. Let's go.